0: I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Jeff Thomas. Jeff was named Morgan Stanley's Chairman's Club in 2008 recognized within the top 2% of all advisors globally. From 2009 to 13, Barron's Magazine recognized him as one of Texas' top financial advisors. After 25 years of working at some of the biggest names on Wall Street, Jeff founded Archetype, a pure fiduciary platform designed to help clients thrive across generations by connecting their money with their purpose. From advisors who are wired for more to high-capacity business owners, Jeff is passionate about fueling leaders for greater impact. Jeff is also author of Trading Up, Moving from Success to Significance on Wall Street. Jeff Thomas, welcome into the corner office. Thanks so much, Brent. Great to be here. Oh, wonderful to have you here as well. And it's a cold, windy and wet day in Connecticut, but something tells me it's probably a little warmer down in Texas. How is it down by you? Yeah, let, let's not talk about the weather today. It's, <laughs> it's perfect here today in Houston, Texas. So uh, uh, not bad. No, no complaints. You know, we kind of kick things off, obviously, with kind of the topic of the moment. It's kind of hard to, you know, uh, ignore the 100 pound or the 800 pound elephant in the room. How are you doing through these pandemic times? How are you? How are your family? How's your business? Well, uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, these are strange
1: times, Mm. as we all know. And I just you know, it's almost every day. Isn't it strange, Brant? Don't we, don't you think that we're going to look back at this period, you're know, going to write all these books <laughs> 10 years from now, yeah, right? Yeah, About this right. period and, and see the things maybe we did right and wrong. And I, I, you know, have my opinions and all that, but it, it, the outcomes for families yes. and different businesses, yes. the dispersion is so wide, yes. you know, and, uh, uh, frankly, we've been very fortunate. Mm. Uh, nobody in my immediate family's had it. We've got, uh, you know, uh, my wife and I have uh, two daughters, 28 right. and 19, and uh did they both you know, come home? The, well, the 28 year old is, you know, married and <laughs> okay. uh, has her first child; who just wow. turned one. So that's all very exciting for uh, for us. But everybody's been healthy. Uh, and the 19 year old's off at school. She did come home uh, in March. She's at uh, Northwestern in right. Chicago, and so she. She came home with a with a teammate of hers. She's a field hockey player, and so right, she came right. home with a friend of hers from Spain. And they spent oh. a few months with us
0: and uh, finished up. Probably wasn't their ideal freshman year, <laughs> but uh, we like to have them around. But what a blessing, though, right? I mean, what a blessing I had. You know, my yeah. daughter's a college athlete as well. She's a rower up at Dartmouth, and you know, she came down right at the beginning of the pandemic. We were meant to go back to California together, and as it happened, she thought she might have been exposed. And we, of course, this is long before tests were available readily. And you know, we locked down for three weeks. And to be honest, I'll look back and I'll remember fondly those three weeks together. <laughs> all now the we had our issues. I've we had to. our issues. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> but all
1: of us parents loved it. Uh, yeah, the kids, I'm, I'm not, not so sure, sure. kids loved it as much. <laughs> but, well, listen, I'm yeah. glad
0: to hear that you've been blessed. And, you know, we, of course, want to talk a little bit more about your career and kind of what's led you to Archetype Wealth Advisors. And you've had just a storied career in financial services and um, financial wealth advising. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But we kind of like to start with the early years. And, you know, just tell us, Jeff, a little bit about where you grew up and what your early family life was like.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh and I think those things are relevant I think mm. you're smart I know you interview people for a living uh so you're <laughs> you're good at kind of getting to the core but I think a lot of people kind of ignore those years uh but I think they are formative yeah and uh so I grew up in St Louis primarily oh, okay Midwestern um, boy yep so yeah, my both of my parents uh were from the same little town in uh Pennsylvania Bradford okay. Pennsylvania Wow really a uh it was really an oil town yep, uh, yep. It, back then and uh, kendall oil and and they actually didn't know each other they had both gone off oh. to college uh but were set up on a blind date back in their little hometown
0: uh after they were both college. from and, the same hometown but didn't know each other isn't that bizarre that uh, is they, very they, strange they, they yeah. were a few years apart about four okay. years apart okay. yeah. so well, that's probably enough. Yeah. Uh, different yeah, schools they, and so forth right
1: exactly so <laughs> uh anyway they, they you know they were you know, both believers and that sort of thing. And they, mm. my dad was a, uh, he was the youngest of four boys and, uh, his father died really in the oil fields, uh, oh when my he gosh. was, uh, wow. uh, only eight, eight years old. And oh so, goodness. He was raised by, you know, his mother and uh, she had to go back to school, get a teaching certificate and uh, put the boys uh, all through, you know, raised them all. And the three older brothers all went into the military because that was sort of your way out. of A little town. Uh, And my dad was fortunate enough to get a, uh, a scholarship. Uh, to the University of Cincinnati to study engineering in oh, a work study program, right, and so right. that got him out of Bradford, uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and uh, which is a great town, but you know it's just tough uh, when sure. the oil kind of dries up. Absolutely, so,
0: absolutely. Anyway,
1: uh, he ended up uh, uh, going to work for International Harvester, designing the engine for the Scout for all those uh, oh. old guys out there, kind of the first sure. SUV, if you oh, will, yeah. and. Oh, uh, yeah. So they were living in Indiana, uh, working at the plant there, and uh, and then late in his twenties, uh, his uh, my my parents' pastor uh, asked my dad, "Have you ever considered uh, going into the ministry?" And wow. now the way. I like to tell the story is that, uh, he probably
0: asked every 20 something. Right. He's planting seeds. He's planting seeds. He finally got a yes. <laughs> and, uh,
1: so I'm sure uh, that anyway. And so my dad said yes. And, uh, the rest is kind of, it was kind of history. He ended up, uh, working summers for international harvester and, wow. uh, going full-time to seminary. And, uh, I always. Wow. I always uh, kind of admire my mother, and I wonder if, uh, I mean, she always just told this story deadpan, like it was no big deal. And I was like, yeah, but you, <laughs> you married the engineer, and he had like this, you know, what was then kind of an MBA for uh, engineers uh, from Purdue. And so, sure. you know, I'm sure she thought they were on the kind of corporate fast right, track. Right, right. Right? Wow. And then suddenly, <laughs> we're She's being a assigned a to a tiny church <laughs> in Cadiz, Ohio, at, oh, you know, a coal mining town. Wow. And uh, another beautiful place, but uh, probably not what she had
0: pictured. So you uh, grew up a
1: PK. See, that's right.
0: Yeah. That's right. And, so, and brothers brothers and sisters, or, or were you? So yeah, one older yeah. sister. Old and sister. so
1: they, uh, my dad took a church uh, when we were, uh, really, I was in third grade. My sister yeah. was in fifth grade yeah. in St. Louis and uh, ended up there in a nice little a town and so that's really where
0: we we grew up for the most part with awesome, our uh, awesome. dad. As and did did mom work in the home or was she uh, also had an outside job? Or she
1: taught for twenty years uh, okay. on and off uh, while right. we were kids, but she managed to you know get enough years to uh, uh, accrue the pension. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so that she helped. was a public school teacher in the same yeah. district where we uh, grew up.
0: And I'm sure that helps supplement a pastor's salary, uh, uh, right? Exactly. <laughs> One exactly. of the things maybe she was planning on with regards to the engineering degree <laughs> exactly. versus the alternative. Well, full disclosure to our audience, both uh, Jeff and I are believers. We connected through a group called C12. Some of you may know about that, particularly those that are C12 members listening today. C12 is a wonderful organization, a peer advisory group of Christian business owners across the world now, right? I think we're close to 3,000 members or so, uh, 100 or so uh, uh, chapters, and uh, Jeff, and I have not met personally face to face, but uh, I love how you've intertwined already, you know, your faith and obviously the fact that you grew up in a home. Hey, when did you come to Christ and, and what role did he play in your upbringing along with mom and dad? Yeah. Uh, I really came to Christ on my own, right? Raised mm-hmm. in the church. Uh,
1: That doesn't always mean uh, you
0: could be brought up that way, right?
1: Uh, No, that's right. I I, I remember watching a uh, a Major League Baseball player give his testimony one time. Mm. And he said, you know, growing up, he said, I had a drug problem. Uh, Every Sunday, my mom would drag me to church. And, uh, you know, (laughs) and so uh, that's sort of how it was. It wasn't a choice until, you know, really, and and this is a common thing for kids that grow up in the church. There's usually a confirmation class somewhere along the way. And it was just hey, you're in eighth grade, let's do that, right? Uh, It was just the thing you were doing. But I remember standing up there, Brant, in front of the congregation, and they asked me, without my parents there, you know, uh, do you believe in Jesus? And I just remember, oh, they're actually asking me. Like, this is not an assumption, right? I have to say it out loud. That's right. So I remember doing that and and thinking to myself, just at that moment, like, do I actually believe this? And I thought, yeah, I actually do believe this. So that's sort of when I felt like, I accepted it, but, you know. Were you a teenager a at journey. that time? How old were you? Yeah, then? 13 years old. 13, 13 yeah, years old. Yeah, I'll never yeah. forget
0: it. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and uh, uh, you know, other people that inspired you during your childhood, were there coaches, mentors, Sunday school teachers? You know, if you think back at some of the folks that had an impact and an imprint on you beyond mom and dad.
1: No, it's really, it's an interesting question. Uh, I've had a lot of mentors later Mm. in my life uh, that have had a very big impact on me. Maybe we'll get to some of that. But early in my life, you know, I've gone to some of these uh, uh, men's groups or small groups and that kind of thing. And a lot of people try to uh, unpack maybe wounds that you've had from your parents. And I remember going to one of those things about 20 years ago, you know, I'm in my early 50s and now, so probably in my early 30s. And I was listening to all these people uh, kind of talk about the wins they've had and other mentors they had to find. And I, I, I remember kind of for the first time really going, wow, uh, you, you <laughs> that only wasn't had your own experience. <laughs> that wasn't my experience. Uh, I kind of hit the lottery with my parents. Yeah, right. To be that's honest awesome. with you. And so uh, I got lots of other problems, but that wasn't <laughs> one was well, brand. <laughs> oh, that's cool. What about school? Were you a good student, Jeff? Yeah, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Uh, my,
0: if, my, with a school teacher mom, yeah, I, my dad yeah. A, was a school teacher, then a principal. So yeah, good grades right. were expected, right? I don't.
1: I probably would have been sleeping on the street. I don't know what they would have done, <laughs> but you know, with a with a dad that ended up with uh, you know, he, he, I guess he ended up with a D min, right? So he had sure. uh, uh, all kinds of degrees. My mom also. I uh, had a master's degree in teaching and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it just it. There just wasn't any, I, I just was never any even option. knew it was an option yeah, not to yeah, be a good student. Right, right. <laughs> so, what about outside
0: that, activities? Yeah. You, you'd mentioned baseball or, or an interest in that. Did you play sports, play ball? Oh, yeah. What were your I played, things? That, uh, music?
1: Yeah, played everything growing up uh, yeah. and music. My parents said, you got to take six years of uh, some kind of music. <laughs> and so right. I really have no talent, but it was kind of nice to be able to read music and do those kind of things and play a little piano. But uh, for the most part, it was. Uh, I just love sports. I always love sports, every kind. Of course, these are the days when you know every day you just go out and play. That's right. right. Uh, yeah. Not even eight o'clock in the morning, just,
0: come home for dinner. Right. Yeah. I'd, I'd ride yeah. my
1: bike primarily to. Uh, I played yeah. a lot of soccer. I played in, in you know growing up, and then I played. That's a big, big sport in uh, in St. Louis still. Sure. And uh, but I also played tennis. I'd ride my bike oh. to tennis courts and oh. uh, ended up working there during high school and that sort of thing. And so I just. I just uh, really kind of latched on to that. My parents played. And so I just would always, since I could walk, I did that. So I ended up playing at Trinity. I was going to uh, say, you went on to Trinity yeah, University. So what,
0: what did you play? Uh, what sports did you play in college?
1: So I, I played uh, played tennis, but really Good. Division III. Uh, yeah. You know, I I always joke I like Division three athletes because they uh, – uh, don't you know, they don't take life
0: to, too seriously.
1: Yeah. You're not worried about seriously. your scholarship. There isn't one. That's okay? <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. So, right. so you kind of do it for the love of the sport. And, yeah.
0: uh, so were you a, a walk-on or were you recruited? What was the... Uh...
1: No, this is back in the days they yeah. didn't... I mean, I remember... You joined uh, the, the team. Football Yeah, co- the, you know, the football coach caught me after tennis practice one day and said, hey, we need a wide receiver. Are you interested in uh, playing any uh, football? <laughs> I was like, I mean, these days, can you imagine even D3? It's like a whole recruiting deal. no. Like they're a, just plucking totally players from wherever they could get
0: them. Crazy. <laughs> so. Well, listen, you ended up an entrepreneur, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But let's talk about your early years. Were there entrepreneurial tendencies growing up? Did you have the paper route, to mow the lawns? You know, what were the kinds of things that you did to earn some extra pocket money, if anything? It's kind of unbelievable,
1: uh, Brand. I've been listening to some of your podcasts, and, and it seems like everybody had a paper route or mowed a lawn. <laughs> and and, uh, and was not your deal. I, I, <laughs> I don't actually think of myself. I, I guess I, I guess I am an entrepreneur, but I, but I'm a little bit of a reluctant entrepreneur. Okay. And again, we'll probably get to that here in a minute. But I did do a lot of that stuff. So uh, growing up in St. Louis. Uh, I mean, I mowed everybody's yard on the whole street. You know, I was kind of mad at them if they wouldn't let me. Yeah, you know, of course, uh, in, of course, including we were on a boulevard, including like the median. You know, that was about a third of a mile long and about built you know, to 30... the city.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like the so like the
1: homeowners association paid me. I had hey, scratches on. all over my body from the trees. You know, oh, hanging down. I love but, it. Uh, but I love that. You know, yeah. and I, I would think back now. I'm like, you know, I totally used my parents' car,
0: my parents' sure, mower. I mean, sure. I just
1: wore out all their equipment. <laughs> so they where'd were kind of generous to let me use where, that stuff. Where'd
0: the spending money go? Did you have some some vices and some hobbies that you indulged in when you were in school? Oh, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I liked radios, you
1: know, right, so anything right. music related. But uh, honestly, my sister and I still joke about this. I was the bank, you know, I was ah, the saver. You're okay. the saver, huh? Good. Yeah, and she had that first spender. savings account
0: yeah. where they printed it out in the little cards, right? The little booklets. Remember those? <laughs> I had an Apple
1: IIe when they came out, oh, if you can remember, like, those Well, not me, my family did, right? And uh, so I was learning basic in school. And so I would like program the little basic computer thing to add it all up. So yeah, I had a little... A little obsession with the savings early on. I so love it. That might I have love something it. to do with this. What yeah. about
0: other jobs? Did you did you have jobs in the high school and college that were you mm-hmm. know uh, working for the hourly wage and your first W twos or did that come oh, later in man, life? Man,
1: I've had every job. Uh, I, I think I got fired. I think my real first job was McDonald's, and I think I leaned ah. on the counter about three in the afternoon, and I got fired. I was probably I probably was fifteen, and I think I got fired by a sixteen year old <laughs> for leaning on the uh, counter after I. Oh mopped boy. The floor. Uh, But, and I was was like, yeah, I was like, who's this FICA guy taking money out of my account? You know? Oh, right, and then, yeah, uh, yeah, who's he, right, yeah. where's that going? <laughs> so uh, I worked at the tennis courts, I did some admin for a guy in the church that did some wholesaling of all kinds of parts and this sort of thing, and uh, I worked at a, in college, I did work at a, uh, at a sunroof factory, wow. uh, you putting together sunroofs, uh, any kind of job I could get to kind of, you get a little spending money, it was, uh, you know, I, I tried them all.
0: Now, I'm sure along with getting good grades, it was assumed you'd go to college for both you and your sister. Uh, oh, you yeah. chose Trinity, great school. What, what were the kind of decision factors around that? Did mom or dad go there or was that uh, a school that you kind of picked out of the, out of the massive opportunities you had back then?
1: <laughs> yeah well, I don't know about masses, but my uh my my parents were very generous about this you know mm-hmm. one of the things we do in our business now, in wealth management is talk to families about legacy and yeah. and I didn't think about it that way then, but one of my family's values obviously uh uh Christianity was valued with my dad you know, sure conven his entire career to it but uh but also uh education was a big deal right I mentioned my parents you yep. know had a lot of education and were educators and that sort of thing and so uh you know, for me, uh they said, we will help you as best we can mm. financially to go to any college uh you pick it, and wow. so wow. public private anywhere you want to go in the country, uh we're not limiting by location or anything, and so that really that was a real gift, yeah. you know, and i I, I don't nice think stuff. I fully appreciated it at the time, uh, but you know, I remember thinking, okay, uh I want to go to a liberal arts school." Mm but get a technical degree. That was my 18 hmm. year old brain uh, yeah. thinking. I, and, and then when I got off the plane in San Antonio and it, you know, I was literally in a parka and I'd been playing tennis in a bubble <laughs> all winter Okay, right. in December right. in San Antonio. And it was about 72 degrees and oh, sunny with all outdoor courts. I thought this might be the place for me. But,
0: <laughs> I didn't have to go to too many places
1: to make that yeah, decision. No, it was, uh, we visited uh, a few, but that was, uh, I thought, what am I doing up here?
0: Uh, now, you, so, now, you didn't uh, pursue got, a technical degree, you end up getting a business degree. Did, did you kind of start well, in the engineering area, or how did you I land did, up with that? I did.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that's what we'll do. I wanted to use kind of both sides of the brain. Sure. I, I really like writing and that sort of thing, but I also uh, really was good at math and that sort of thing. So I thought, well, my dad did engineering. It seems to open a lot of doors, so I'll start there. And I started there, but really, I just figured out uh, not to knock Trinity's engineering program, but it really is ranked as a great liberal arts school for a reason, uh, you know, and so I, I just look at the resources my daughter has in engineering at Northwestern and it's kind of night and day, frankly, for schools that are known for it, you know? Uh, it's just a different game. And so I thought I, I, they really, anyway, I, I could tell lots of stories, but suffice it to say, I, I kept with the math, but went to accounting pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And of course you joined Arthur Anderson, one of the, I guess it was big four back then, right? Or it they already split up and uh, you know, you only worked for three other companies before founding and, and three great yeah. ones at that, Arthur Anderson, Payne Weber and Morgan Stanley. Well, yeah. What made you choose Arthur Anderson as your first job coming out of college? You know, this is
1: a lesson. Talk about a recruiting idea. Hmm. Uh, you should tell your uh, employers to try this. I'm looking <laughs> forward to doing this one day. Uh, but they, uh, Arthur Anderson gave the three top accounting majors at Trinity scholarships, Ooh. and uh, indiscriminately, whoever the top three are. That's it. Uh, and it was a, a whopping fifteen hundred dollars, I believe. Hey.
0: That's right. It's uh, a lot of money back then. But
1: it was something, right? <laughs> exactly. Nobody else gave us anything. Uh, that's right. That's right. It's and better so, than zero. <laughs> so when we got out, guess what? We all three went there.
0: Very uh, good to, yeah. to work, and so yeah. that, uh,
1: that that was good, and they had a great reputation. Oh, and, great uh, great
0: place to get trained. So you, you did a couple of years in audit, and yeah. then then went on to Payne Weber, and you had, a, had a, a storied career there. Obviously, ending up as a senior VP. What what was kind of the impetus around you know moving over to that side of the financial services? Uh, yeah, that uh, was uh,
1: for for you uh, uh, income statement, balance sheet, financial statement people out there. Let's just say we moved from the uh, expense side of the ledger to the <laughs> revenue <laughs> side of the ledger. So as an it. internal auditor, right, traveling the uh, uh western half of the US, uh doing internal audits uh for you know about Payne Weber probably had three hundred offices at that time uh back in the early nineties and so uh, I probably w- went to 150 of them on uh, the western half of the U.S. and so, but I realized that hey, was a great job. But um, I'm th- their goal in life is to keep my salary as low as humanly possible. And <laughs> exactly. so, uh, exactly, I said, "Wow, well, all these advisors that I'm um, doing audits, they seem to be yeah, make, they're driving a the nice car, yeah, they're and making a lot nice more money and having a lot more fun <laughs> with a way more flexible schedule than I am. I think I'm on the wrong side of this trade. So that's it. that's when we made the switch. When was night.
0: the first start? You, first time you started managing? people. Was it at Payne Weber or, or did you actually have some management responsibility, at Arthur Anderson?
1: That's an interesting question. I I think it really it really was uh at Payne Weber because yeah. what happened was and it's still a little this way that uh, people might think that they do it all the same at these big firms. It's, it's really not true. You're really a silo, and yes. then as you grow, if you're if if uh, if you you make the cut. <laughs> yeah, if you make the cut first, and then if you grow, you start having a little team. And so right. most people, if you're in on the advisor side, you're really if you're not in management, you're really only managing. You know, I had maybe five people on my team, that sort of right. thing. And so right. you do learn some management skills, but starting a company and managing a lot more people, that's a it's really a different skill set.
0: Of course. Any any it. early leadership lessons you remember, though, from those Payne Webber days, and maybe painful ones that you might have gone through uh, in those first few years of managing others?
1: I just think it's. Uh, I mean, I've learned so much more in the last ten or fifteen years. The the early management lessons, I think, you know, we were constantly sharing resources, right? And so a lot of the people didn't work full time for you, or they you, you might share them, and and I think, you know. I still believe this, but the way you treat people and just servant leadership, you know, the nicer you are to the people below you, the harder they're going to work for you. And right. you don't do it in a manipulative way, but it makes the workplace a whole lot more pleasant. Sure does. They yeah. want to come to work, uh, doing the work with you. And then, you know, we, we had, you know, your clients tend to kind of reflect you so they would be pleasant to them. So, so I think we got kind of an outsized, uh, amount of help. Sure. Uh, from folks that we partially manage, just because uh, I I think we tried at least to treat them
0: yeah. uh, a little yeah. better. What's you know? the best as well as the worst lesson that you might have uh, learned from previous bosses? Now you don't need to mention any names. We don't need to go no, no. back there. Yeah. But by looking at perhaps the Arthur Anderson and Payne Weber days before you moved on to Morgan Stanley, you know what what, what kind of what what sticks out on both sides of that ledger. You know.
1: The the word that comes to mind on the positive side is humility. Yeah, and kind of this servant leadership. You know, we're, we were talking about our faith earlier, and you right. know, the ultimate example is uh, Christ. Right? He comes and, uh, I mean, he's he he's got all the resources at his fingertips, and he chooses to serve. Yeah. Uh, there's a model yeah. there. Uh, there is, I know indeed. I can't achieve uh, that. Completely, but 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 uh, we're kind of all to try. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so the great managers I've seen and had uh, were really all about helping you achieve mm. your yeah. God-given potential. Right. And the right. other ones are just starkly on the other
0: side. <laughs> uh, about as negative as you can go the opposite well, direction. Well, it's, it's just I had – Well, it's I kind have, of their own personal self-interest, right? Is that correct. what you found? I yeah.
1: had a guy say – I'll never forget I was in a manager's office. And the phone rings while I'm having a chat with him, and he answers the phone, and he they're, he's getting some request to solve some issue, and he hangs up, and he goes, well, we'll solve that as long as it doesn't take any money out of my pocket. You know? And anyway, back yeah. oh, to our discussion. Oh, man. Man. And literally. Just and you dead, remember man. those
0: things, don't you? You Historic. know? It's impression. It. I'll yeah. never forget it. I'll never forget it. And I was like, yeah. man,
1: that just... Hey, at least I like the clarity. At least you're honest, <laughs> You know? Like... I, now I know what motivates you, so yeah. uh, but that's uh, you know that's that's not how I'd like yeah. to do
0: it. Yeah. Now you took your team, as I think is the case, from Payne Webber over to Morgan Stanley. Now that happens often, it right, does. in the financial services world. Well, was that a a big disruption? Is that frowned upon at the time when you did that, or nah, was that a fairly pretty, easy move? It's pretty yeah.
1: commonplace. In fact, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fact that I've only uh, worked in three places is strange uh, for the industry. <laughs> uh, most people kind of contracts and, and yeah. move around and they're, they're doing longer and longer deals these days uh so i think there's a little less of that going on right but right. Uh, at the time Payne weber was uh undersized be- this is before ubs bought them that's right yeah pre pre-2000 right, right? that's yeah. right and yeah. so morgan stanley was spending a lot more on research and, and that kind of thing and so we liked just kind of having more uh, yeah. more things at, yeah. at our fingertips
0: well, tell us a little bit about how, you know, your walk with, with Christ maybe evolved over that period of time. Because, you know, you went from growing, obviously, single, you know, independent uh, provider as an auditor. You moved into management responsibilities, Payne Weber. And I can imagine your team was, was fair size by the time we went to Morgan Stanley. How many folks did you bring over with you?
1: Yeah, we brought five. But, I mean, yeah. the, the, the uh, in a, you know, we're at... 14 now and hopefully going to continue to grow. You know, we're about three and a half years in, but, uh, you know, really in my, uh, that that is kind of the right timing really, as we got over to Morgan Stanley and, uh, you know, they, they paid us a lot of money to go over there and, and, uh, I'd already made, you know, growing up in a modest household, uh, well-educated folks, but just didn't choose careers that were, you know, big money makers uh, to just put it mildly. Uh, you know, I always thought, uh, that my you know my dad had a basically a CEO type job managing a very <laughs> sure. large church, but yeah. he had janitor pay, and that didn't uh, <laughs> that didn't really appeal to me, and uh, uh, and I really didn't just feel called to to work in the church, and so right. I kind of Brant, I really had a wrong mindset, and that hmm. mindset was uh, okay as a believer if you don't work for a nonprofit you know, you're really not in full-time ministry. So I, mm. I, I had uh, this idea that uh, I guess the rest of us are supposed to be good people, treat people well, right. uh, go to church and support uh, the heavy lifters, uh, yeah. like my yeah. dad that are actually doing it. But yeah. I didn't really think of myself as being As a, a missionary.
0: missionary, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and, right. and, and right. I think, okay, well now what's going to fill that void? If I really didn't have that as the ultimate goal, uh, and I would not have told you this in my early thirties, but but I think what what was revealed to me later through doing some Bible study and and and, and that sort of thing through some other mentors, was that I was putting money before God, mm. and and uh, so I was obsessing just like I had when done when I was thirteen and fourteen years old about my savings account, <laughs> and
0: right, uh,
1: right. and not uh, not I was thinking like an owner not like a steward. Mm. You know, uh, God owns Mm. it all. And, and it really frees you up. And so I, I, I was just kind of feeling empty. I had a big bank Mm. account uh, relative to what I ever thought I would have. And I thought that should make me happy. The family was good. So from the outside, everything looks good, but I'm kind of feeling empty. And so I started doing a bunch of Bible study and it just, God's word just revealed to me, man. Hey, buddy. Uh, I There's a different it. way
0: here. Yeah, uh, you got to yeah. get
1: this priority stuff. You, yeah. it's okay, money. Nothing wrong with money. It's just a tool, but you can't have it number one. And so, as as I started to learn that and and put those principles into practice, man, my life got a lot better. Mm.
0: Now, is this pre um, archetype? Well, partners, it Was is. this is while you're at is. This right. is uh, right.
1: this is probably early two thousands. So yeah. you know, I'm in the first you know, eight or 10 years of the career. Uh, and, and, uh, so I had some pretty quick success, uh, right. and, it, and it brought that financial success, but it didn't really bring peace you.
0: Yeah. to me. Yeah. yeah. And so awesome. you're always
1: trying to fill that God size hole in your That's heart. That's right. Yep. I've heard that before. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so I was I've trying to stuff before. it with uh, money, but uh, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough to fill it. So that, that really, uh, turned into a, uh, y- you know, just a change of heart for me. And so, yeah. I started feeling. Uh, I talked to my wife. She she's always been way ahead of me on all of this. By the way, I just I'm just catching up to her. Not, right. It almost it, sometimes I'm afraid it sounds like I dragged her along. It's actually she just put up with me catching up with her. And uh, I've heard and, that
0: story before, Jeff. think yes, it's very common. Yes. And, well, so tell uh, us. So so you brought your team from Morgan Stanley. Yeah. And, gosh, you were there 17 years. I mean, yes. no One would have thought your career would have probably ended there. What right. was kind of the motivating, you know, uh, event that? led so, you to move out?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's such a great question. In 2010, I'll never forget. I had found, uh, you know, I'd really been, my heart had been changed. We'd started becoming a lot more generous. We started, God started bringing us clients, mm. business owners who wanted to be generous. So we started doing all kinds of philanthropic planning and this mm. sort of thing. I really wanted to implement biblical wisdom into the way we gave advice, but not be preachy about it, but, right, not, right. but unapologetic. You know, so it didn't want to put the cross in the front door. We're at Morgan Stanley anyway, where you really couldn't do that. And through that process, I met a mentor of mine called Ron Blue. He's written like 18 books Mm. on how to implement biblical wisdom into into financial advice. He became a mentor of mine. Uh, I became a coach for the Kingdom Advisor Coaching Program, an organization he founded that's a nonprofit that helps financial advisors implement biblical wisdom into their practice. Yeah. And so I, he asked me to be a coach and I said, Ron, I would you mentor me before we go coach these other people? <laughs> right. And so I would fly into Atlanta once a quarter, uh, we, we would uh, meet in the morning and then we'd coach these other po- folks like noon to noon for a day. And uh, it's it sort of toward the end of our time together. And that uh, he said, you know, Jeff, he had started a little firm. He goes, I can't believe this firm has grown the way it has and this sort of thing. And I had, it was like, it's a moment that I pray every one of your Mm. listeners has, Mm. which is total clarity. Hmm. uh, a total clarity on what they're supposed to do with their lives. And, yeah. and by this time I had sort of figured out there's no line. We're all in ministry and there's no line between the sin, <laughs> right, right. sacred and the secular, you know, right, there, right. you don't just go to check your faith Monday through Friday or whatever. <laughs> uh, and so what, what God told me, and it wasn't audible, but I heard it loud and clear And hmm. it, it was, I want you to scale what this guy started. Wow. And, uh, and I thought, well, I had two responses. The first response was, "Okay, God, that sounds like fun," because I have all these opinions, okay, about how things should be run, and I was on all these committees at Morgan Stanley, and no one listened to me. Uh, But and then the second thought, right behind it, was, "You got the wrong guy." Yeah, I've
0: got got a lot of guys I could lead into doing this, right? Yeah,
1: I'm like, (laughs) I got, I got five people. Okay, that's far from scaled. Okay, so I said, I've never scaled anything. I don't know how to do it. And I remember God, when I hear, when I feel like I'm really hearing from him, often it feels like mm. a sweet grandfather who's chuckling at you, you know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, but, ha- exactly. but, but wants the best for you. <laughs> and I remember him saying, uh, that's why, kind of chuckling and going, that's why I picked you. I yeah. know you can't do it. <laughs> Wake up tomorrow and I'll, I'll do show it. show you how. Just yeah. give me credit. And oh, so then, uh, for the last 10 that. years it took me about 6 years to get the company yeah. started i had started a christian focus group at morgan stanley i had thrown myself into that grew it to about 500 members and then finally we were just bumping into issues about uh, you know our ability to communicate biblical wisdom yeah. and so i felt led to really start a company awesome. with a vision and
0: mission that was uh, uh, right from the start. Now, you're about three years in, and you said about 15, 16 employees now? Yeah, 14 now? employees 14 now. 14 employees. Uh, and you're serving fun. just the Houston area, or do you have no, clients nationally? No,
1: got Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got uh, one employee in uh, North Carolina. We've no. got, uh, we have got we have a New Jersey, New York office. We have an Atlanta office, uh, and uh, we have a San Antonio office. And so wow. the, the vision is really to just uh, put together a group of people who, you know, our vision is to build the ideal God-honoring wealth management company, the mission is to connect people's money with their purpose and help families thrive across generations. So there Mm. is a sub-segment of advisors out there that wants to do things in this way. And there's really not a scaled company that's a fiduciary company that is really serving those people Hmm. that way. So we call it the Chick-fil-A of wealth management, sort of, you know, scaled with operators.
0: We all do it the same way. Right. Uh, but through our, are you own all God-given are months. you all believers and, and are you only attracting believers as clients? We or, really are, and, you know, and the way tra- we look mm-hmm. at it is, it
1: is very much like Chick Fil A. You know, they will tell you they're not a Christian company. I think we're a little more of a Christian company only because our advice is our product. Right. Their product is right. a chicken sandwich. Yeah, uh, you don't. But our advice has principles behind it and those Mm -hmm, principles mm -hmm. uh, are biblical. Now we don't, we'll we'll put verses with them when appropriate, but we're not hanging the cross in the front door because God said, scale it. And we want to be winsome about it. And some people, even believers have a problem, you know, with the painter that showed up with the fish on the back of the van and then didn't finish the job. Okay? that's right. So we want to lead with excellence, you know? Uh, We want to lead with excellence and win the job because we do an excellent job for clients. And oh, by the way, here are the principles we operate mm. or here. Here's why this is working so well for you. Awesome. So we just want to earn awesome. the right to be heard by our excellence.
0: How would you say your leadership styles evolved over time, Jeff, particularly now that you're working in an environment that you, in culture, uh, that you have a lot more control and direction for?
1: I have had the benefit of so many amazing mentors, mm. uh, guys that have scaled uh, men that have scaled companies. Um, I don't know why I have access to these people. I'm just glad I do. Yeah. Uh, and I try to pass it on. Hopefully mm. this is an opportunity to do a little bit of that. Absolutely. But, yeah. But I think, uh, I've learned so many lessons. I, I would say two key ones. Number one, hire amazing people <laughs> and set them loose. Okay. Yeah. It It yeah. almost sounds trite, but I was describing this, uh, I'm on a nonprofit board and there's a, a, a new guy managing it and he was asking some management lessons. Uh, and I said, number mm-hmm. one, which is kind of back to the servant leadership and humility thing. Right. There, yeah. uh, there's two things I think of. Good to great is an old business yeah. book. You yeah. know, many of your uh, listeners classic. may have. May have yeah. yeah, it's a classic. Jim Collins. But, you know, they did a study of all these companies that did really well for over decades. And the one thing the, the leaders had in common was not taking credit. That's right. Yeah. Empowering the next yeah. uh set of leaders below them who would model pa- empowering the next set of leaders below them. So that's I have everybody at our company is better at something that they do. Well, they're they're way better than I am. So I mean, there's not even really temptation for me to stick my neck <laughs> into too much stuff or my nose <laughs> right, into too right. much stuff. I mean You've got good, well, good, good they're stewards. great at it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. so all I want to do is hire the best people and empower them uh, to use their God-given skills to the maximum. And I would say the other thing is, uh, one of my mentors taught me this. Of course, right? I told you I'm the old computer, like savings guy, right? right, So I'm obsessed with numbers, right? (laughs) And growth rates and all of this. And he told me, i never forget, he said, oh, I don't do any financial projections. I'm like, what are you talking about? Your company's (laughs) worth billions of dollars. And he he said, no, no, I hire the best people. And I don't want them to do a deal at year end to just try to make a bonus. I'm hiring them for 30 years to make good decisions yeah. over a long period of time. Yeah. So so we focus on activities, not mm. results. So, yeah, wow. we have goals, but focus hiring the best people and then thinking about, you know, what are the activities they should do? I'm only interested in seeing the reports of the activities they're doing, not the fruit. I know the fruit will come. If you have the right person doing the right activities.
0: Yeah, makes good sense. Jeff, what what do you look for to that point when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Maybe you can help me with that. So far, (laughs) it has
1: been... Doesn't everybody want to have the perfect personality test for Mm -hmm. every job description, Mm -hmm. and they'll never make another mistake? You Mm -hmm. know? (laughs) I mean, uh, sign me up if you find it. And we were talking about our (laughs) C12 groups. I'll never forget we had uh, one of our guys... Uh, in our group, was very excited about his new personality profile that he was doing for salespeople, and another guy in the group says, "You know, he got he gave his big speech about how great it was." And then one of the other guys, has been around forever, he said, "Yeah, we use exactly that, and it barely works." <laughs> you know? talking about taking the ear out of the yeah. It was like, yeah, you know <laughs> And uh, so we do use some personality, yep. to, you know, yep. uh, profiles and that sort of thing. But honestly, we're small enough so far, we've been fortunate that everybody has come kind of via word of mouth. Right. You know, right. hey, I know this person, we should talk to yeah. them. And, and I'm kind of part of that. I think he'll team. work
0: well here. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And so uh, honestly, I don't feel like I'm a great interviewer. All I do is get people excited. Like you could tell the excitement sure. in my voice, right. I start getting uh, more excited as I talk about the business. I absolutely love what we're doing, the impact we're having. I love the team. I just love getting up and going to work in the morning, I didn't Hmm. always feel that way when I was unaligned in a place that was unaligned with my calling and, and I felt limited. And so, you know, once you can find that place you know, that's what I'm really looking for is people are just so excited to come work in that environment and excited about the culture. I let, uh, Kale,
0: our COO do the, ask the hard questions. (laughs) I just get them all excited. (laughs) Well, I'm going to press you on this one though. So, you know, if you only had about five minutes with someone and this isn't a direct report, this is a frontline advisor you're bringing in. What what, what would you ask them? What would you talk about? What would you try to see in them that would tell you, yeah, I think this person, I think she's got the right stuff for us. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, uh, we, we talk about being humble and coachable,
1: mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and and all of those things. Um, but for me, you know, one thing I really like is if if, uh, if any of your listeners have have uh, read the book uh, uh, David and Goliath, hmm. you know, uh, yeah, Malcolm from Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, it, yeah, it was uh, one of and, my favorites. And, and, and you know, I was kind of joking with you before that I love D three athletes, and it, uh, <laughs> uh, I I kind of do. Okay. Uh, Not just because I am one. Okay. my, my daughter's a D1 athlete. I'm going to tease her this weekend when I see her about being a, being a prima donna. Okay. Uh, but, uh, she's real slackers though. Yeah. 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 All she did was outwork what I did, but anyway, uh, but, but sort of Malcolm Gladwell, you know, in that book, he really talks about, uh, high achievers often, Overcome some adversity.
0: That's right. Do things very differently. And so I think that's one of my
1: favorite questions. Is I love talk about some adversity that you've had.
0: Yeah. And and
1: how did you overcome it, or not, or what did you learn from it, or maybe you failed that time, and maybe you had another one, or maybe you're still working on it. I. But I just I just think it's so character building. We all have problems.
0: Yeah. Every one of us.
1: And so nobody really wants to hear all just all the positive stuff. Tell me tell me a challenge. Bringing a slingshot
0: to a sword fight can have an advantage. No? exactly. <laughs> well said. Well said. You know, uh, there's a lot of speculation, Jeff. Just to take a little bit more of a macro view about you know what 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 the world looks like in a post-COVID world, whether or not we'll even have a post-COVID world. You know, we're going into a period now, we're recording this in mid, almost late October. You know, we're getting spikes again all across the country, as as was expected, as we get into the flu season, et cetera. But, you know, speaking about your industry and then maybe specifically about your company, what what changes do you see ahead in financial wealth management? Is this going to impact a lot of things that people decide? You know, we've had the stock market down about a thousand points in the last couple of days because of, you know, the post-COVID worries or the spiking worries? And, you know, do you see a lot of volatility ahead? Do you see things that, you know, are going to be structurally changed when it comes to investments? Or, you know, this is a passing storm. We just need to be a buffalo and run through it, yeah. <laughs> to use the C-12 analogy. That's right.
1: Uh, well, I, I would say that it's... Uh, there are permanent changes that are going to be made. Hmm. You know, I think when this thing first started, I was just I probably like a lot of folks. I was just kind of hoping it'd blow over as quickly as possible. You know, sure. maybe the summer heat will come and this yeah. thing will disappear. Yeah. Right. 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 And uh, we all learned to lo- use Zoom a little more. OK, that's good. You know? Right. right. Uh, but I, I think there's changes coming that are going to be permanent. And hmm. uh, this idea, uh, you know, I like the I like the phrase a hybrid world is coming. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm sitting here in my little office uh, that I, I built in our little garage apartment because I was working two jobs when I launched the company, right? Uh, <laughs> right, right. And uh, it has come in very useful. Uh, sure. <laughs> it's your COVID. studio uh, now, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I, it has broken my Puritan eight to five, you're not working unless you're sitting in the office uh, work ethic, which- sure. You know, if you're if you're on Amazon shopping, are you really working anyway? That's uh, true. All those hours. Yeah, so
0: that's true. I
1: think uh, that addiction has gotten broken for me, and I think for a lot of people. And you know, our focus at the business is on uh, business owners selling their companies, ten million plus, who want to be generous. Right. Okay? Right. And so we've got this philanthropic planning thing uh, uh, that we do. Well, you know, kind of dialing down the taxes and up the giving. Ah, uh, but we love dealing with families around legacy, hmm. obviously, we like to do investments, and that's how we get paid is on assets under management, Sure. but you know what this is done. We used to do these local events, and now we do national events there you and go. so now we can yeah. have business owners uh, you know, I think we will end up with offices everywhere, but they might be smaller, right you know sure uh and, and, people and,
0: working from their second apartment <laughs> exactly the if, if yeah. they exactly uh <laughs> so you really
1: don't it's really broken this absolute need to have physical space yeah. for everybody yeah. 40 yeah. hours a week. And so I think that trend is for real. Right. So I'm glad we're not invested in uh, too commercial much. real estate. Yeah, yeah <laughs> commercial real estate. And uh, you can see it, uh, you know, in the home sales numbers, or even though there's a little bit of a weak number this morning, overall, it's been amazing. Uh So right. people are spending money on their Home offices, and they're seeing all the things that are wrong. If they're going to spend that much time there, they're fixing that up.
0: That's right. That's so right. So I think these
1: trends are for real. I, yeah. I don't think yeah. they're temporary. I think they're permanent. And, but I'll tell you something. With all, especially with the election coming up next Tuesday, and all that, and maybe by the time this goes, we'll we'll know who the the winner is by the oh, time yes. it's published. But, <laughs> but but I say, you know, with all the angst that's going on in our country, I, I just look at the immigration numbers. The number of people that want to come to America. Uh, still outstrips any isn't going down. It's not going down. So for, for what we see as the inside baseball, that's, that's sometimes hard to watch for democracy. Uh, there's a reason the U S market is outperforming. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are other parts of the world that are catching up with technology and so forth, but I am bullish on America. I mean, we have our three dials, uh, uh, you know, investment philosophy, and, and we really look at the data very carefully to make investment decisions. Uh, but but just from a macro view, we will get through this as a country, uh, and uh, it, it, it'll only make us stronger. And we still have the most innovation in this country. Betting against America is never. A, a good idea for the long haul. So, uh, yeah, that and gotta, the Dodgers.
0: There, there you go. There, there, you, would, go. there Jeff, you go. Jeff, you've, you've been super generous with your time. We always have one last question we ask, sure. and all our, our CEO guests. And you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone that maybe has their eyes on a corner office for the large corporate employer that uh, you and both you and I have had in the past, or perhaps want to be an entrepreneur like yourself and, and start their own business someday? Yeah, I, I
1: think it's a great question, and uh, it, it's great to to have something like that for a takeaway. And, you know, I, I wrote down, actually, uh, a little diagram here. Uh, I teach some classes on finding your God-given mm. calling, yeah, and, uh, and, and it's sort of a Venn diagram, right? The three circles that sort of intersect in sure. the middle. Sure. And if you think about, and, and I think focusing less on, I want this CEO job, and kind of like we were talking about, more on... Understanding yourself, your mm. talents, yeah, and then maximizing those, putting yourself in situations to maximize those, you are going to be promoted. It's just right. going to happen because you're going to do excellent work if you're doing right. things that you love to do. That's right. Uh, that are inspired. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, the Venn diagram I always think about for calling is you know the intersection of talent, passion, yeah, and a God honoring activity. So mm. for me, I love talking to high capacity men. About their calling, you know I, I love to right. tease it out uh, h- help them tease it out and then give them oxygen to live it out. and so my number one delivery system, so if you draw an arrow from from that calling to uh, to business, well guess what I'm in a business where I get to uh, I love managing other people who love right. doing that right, right. working with high capacity families so I can do that half the day and then sometimes I can meet with these families still. so my job description, Kind of feeds my calling, yeah. right? I have right. the capacity to do that. I, I'm in a culture that encourages me to do that hmm. the way. And then we have an ownership structure that incents me to do it that way. So wow. I would just tell people figure out what you're great at. What is your God given calling? And yeah. you actually can live that out in the workplace. How do you do that? And if when you find that sweet spot uh, where what you do during the week, gives you the margin to, you know, even if you're working in a factory, right, if you're doing it with such excellence, whatever that job is, you're going to get promoted. And and so I think focusing on your excellence uh, rather than, uh, you know, the job title is is the way to go.
0: And finding that passion, right, along with it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Jeff Thomas, founder and CEO of Archetype Wealth Partners, thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office.
1: We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.